Hi, this is Adam wearing his producer hat. Just to let you know that this recording was first made in early May, when Warren Buffett was selling the world that he was selling all his airline stock, and Prime Minister Boris Johnson was reassuring us that there had been contingency plans if things had taken a turn for the worse during his illness. Other than Covid, the other big news in the United States was the arrival of murder hornets. While in the UK, we were trying to work out how Matt Hancock suddenly magicked 100,000 tests out of nowhere. So, now your mind is in the right time period, let's get on with the show. Hello, good afternoon, or good morning, we don't know where you are. Um, and remain indoors. It's another episode of Not The Gear, the photographer podcast. Once again, we're on our COVID street quest, mission. You decide. I'm joined by Tanya and Tom, and this time also Melissa Robinson from New York, our guest. Melissa lives and shoots in Williamsburg. So if you're a tourist and you've been to New York only in that capacity, Williamsburg is the place, the other side of the unfashionable Williamsburg Bridge. A bit north of Brooklyn, that was the place you went to take a nice picture of Manhattan. And over to the east of Manhattan, you can see it from the FDR. You might have seen it out of the taxi. So hi, Mel. Hello. Thank you for having me here. No, no, thank you for joining us. Anyhow, um, Melissa Robinson um, is one of our contributors who's provided some of the coolest pictures of uh, New York we've seen. So we're going to introduce her as somebody who started... No. (laughs) I even made notes which don't make any sense to me now as I look at them. No, but I appreciate you saying they're the coolest um, photos, but in reality, like what you guys are putting together and um, seeing the photographs that have been coming through... The, the contribution from so many photographers around the world is incredible, right? And seeing the different perspectives that everyone has within their confinement is it's really quite um, beautiful, uplifting, um, and just a sense of awareness of how other people are reacting to this unusual situation. It's um, quite a... Um, quite a feat that you guys are doing and giving an incredible insight. So I thank you guys for putting this together and um, having me along the journey as well. It's quite um, special. So thank you for that. Oh, no, we love praise. (laughs) (laughs) One hour of praise on the podcast. (laughs) We'll take that. (laughs) No, it's very cool. Yeah. So um, actually tell us a little bit about your story because you're now in New York, but that isn't where you started. And you're shooting some street yes. now, and that is where <laughs> Indeed, you started, yeah. right? So um, I actually come from a town of um, like 40 people in New Zealand. And um, the last 10 years I've spent in Australia and um, moved, left a corporate career, moved into um, creative field, as a lot of people tend to do. But um, once I found photography, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And as the dream evolved, I decided I wanted to come to New York. So... Last year, I um, made that come to fruition. Actually, it was a year ago yesterday that I landed in New York and um, on a tourist visa, came here and hustled, didn't know anyone. And um, I'd been working as a fashion assistant back in Sydney, Australia, and essentially, you know, wanted to come here to work with the big photographers and have been really lucky to work with some incredible photographers over the last year. Um, but with the introduction, I guess you could say, of um, COVID, it's really change the industry, not only my industry, but every industry out there, you know, the world's gone on shutdown. And, um, you know, I haven't had a tax return yet here, so I can't get unemployment. Um, And 
although I could file, I know I'm going to owe a lot more money than what I have at the moment. So I'm sort of battling that seat and trying to hold out my time. And with that, I need to think outside the box and try and find some income. So essentially, I've decided to go out on the streets as safely as possible and um, document this interesting um, circumstance that we all um, have found ourselves in. So it's been quite the experience of... Um, I guess taking my time and getting to know um, people's different, and asking questions like getting to know different people's perspectives on what's happening. You know, there's some people that, um, uh, I mean, I believe people have a positive view or like they can take on a lot of hardship um, as well, and which is only understandable, but it's a mindset and reality. and. You know, being out in the streets and talking to even um, the FedEx people and asking how their perspective of what's going on and um, uh, how they react to it. And some people find it very difficult, understandably. And some people, uh, as we were kind of discussing before, you know, a lot of people were appreciating having the extra time and um, being able to develop themselves. And but then there are other people that are in a lot more hardship. So. My experience with it is kind of mind-opening for me, and I enjoy hearing different people's perspectives. And I think that's what um, you know. I really enjoy about photography. It, it gives me eyes to someone else's um, world. That actually stopping and having a conversation with these people at a safe distance of six feet away <laughs> allows me to um, sort of you know put the thousand words to the picture. You know, hear their voice rather than just assume my own voice. So. Yeah, being out in the streets and seeing that is um, it's it's quite eye-opening to say. I think you can really see that in your images. Um, you know, when it comes to street photography, I think you can. You know, although it's just a still image, you can get a sense of interaction within the image. And I mm. think a lot of your images, mm. there is this sense of um, you know something that jumps out, something really raw. And authentic about them and you can see that you're connecting with your subjects um, on a personal level which I think is quite special and it really is for me the definition of street photography it's not just about walking around you know shooting images and not really feeling it if that makes sense but actually connecting with your subjects and uh, you know I feel like you do that really well Thank you. Yeah, it's something I've been working on because it's it's not an easy thing to do. At first, I used to always do long distance, you know, you know, two hundred mil or such. But you know, building that confidence and actually um, getting to a point where I can approach people and um, sometimes I ask permission, but a lot of the times I prefer to get that raw emotion because it's that raw emotion that speaks to the viewer. You know, emotion is how you connect to people, and. Um, you know, being able to capture that in its rawest form, I think, is what um, engages the viewer. You know, there's so many images out there these days that, you know, we flip past in the face of, you know, less than a second, you know, scrolling through images. And unless you actually feel the connection to an image, you know, same as movies and things like that, you know, unless you feel, you know, be it empathy, be it joy, be it whatever emotion, unless you feel that within yourself, then you know, you're only going to flip past in the space of a second. So it's trying to, I guess, find your way of pulling that out of people and be it, you know, jumping in their face or like Bruce Gilden or, you know, being a bit more reserved. Um, you know, you'll find your niche and it's just a matter of getting out there and shooting and practising, you know. 
So does your niche involve jumping into people's At times. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a lot of, 90% um, of the people I shoot, you know, I just, I um, will have a conversation with as well, you know. And, you know, it's, it's, people I find are more open when you're more, it's A, I always approach them with a smile and um, it's, and, you know, a compliment on why I'm shooting them at that time, you know, like, um, and then, you know, a lot of the times afterwards they are curious, you know, why are you taking a photo? And it's just being open and honest with them, you know, and, um, you know, if they don't appreciate it, then I totally understand that as well, you know, but it's, I see it as an art form and a documentation of, you know, the world today. So um, I do my best to respect them, but I hope that they respect this as an art form as well. So it's kind of finding that happy medium. And if you, um, you, you've since uh, COVID started, you've posted a video of you going out um, shooting. Mm. You've, you're wearing a camera. Not sure something state like yeah, GoPro yeah. Or... So um, I was inspired by some friends of mine that I made. And they basically wear a GoPro while they're out um, on the streets. And seeing it from their perspective and how they do it has um, basically gave me the confidence of being like, oh, okay, well, that's how you approach, you know, people. And um, I essentially met them on my roof and basically didn't leave their side for like five days. We just went out photographing the streets. And they flew out back to London and I have um, basically been in non-stop chats with them and decided to take it upon myself to do the same sort of YouTube channel. So it's all very new to me. Um, I essentially wear a GoPro and um, just turn it on while I'm out photographing. And it's purely because as well, like, I meet so many incredible people while I'm out in the streets, you know, um, be it from executives to talking to the homeless, you know, just having time for people and everyone has a story. And I think that's what has always encapsulated me about these people about me and taking the time to have, you know, just a general conversation, an in-depth conversation. I find a lot of people don't make time for a true conversation these days. So, so many times I've, you know, met people when I sit in the park for three, four hours at a time and just talk to them, you know, and I, I learn so much about them, but I learn about myself through their experiences. So, when I try and talk to, well, relay these stories to friends or family um, or you know, these experiences I've had, I feel I can't get across how um, organic and just genuinely um, meaningful it was or just everything as a um, whole. And so wearing a GoPro and um, uh, having that on while I'm out photographing, I feel just gives more to the meaning behind the photograph and you can actually um, see the, the story rather than just the image the end results so and it's just you know it gives me someone to talk to while I'm in between meeting people and just you know relaying and hope I mean I hope to inspire people so hopefully what I do is sort of so does it look like you're talking to yourself when you're talking to the <laughs> camera totally. well that's what I've realized in New York as well like most people walk around the street with headphones on or um you know most people are engaged in a conversation via that way so the fact that I'm talking to myself and essentially it's a GoPro but no one really batters an eyelid because, you know, they think, you know, I've got a lot of hair. They think there might be headphones under my hair or something like that, you know. It's just, and I've learned to sort of accept that it doesn't matter what I look like to other people. As long as, like, if I look like I'm a crazy person talking to myself, well, then I fit into New York, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, well, you won't be alone there, will you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
indeed. So, so um, just just for the benefit of the tape, um, you'll be able to find a link to these. We'll put the yeah. YouTube link straight in the, the video. You'll just swipe up and there it is on the screen in the link section. Um, oh, that would be cool. Or, um, Mel, your website address, if um, they want to. Yeah, uh, website is www.foreverscene.photo. So scene is S-E-E-N. It's a bit difficult with the accents, but I knew I was going to get married one day, so I decided not to do my name. <laughs> in the near future? Um, one day, for sure. When the time's <laughs> right, you know. That's, I, don't, I was just working out if that was planning ahead, like pre-having met somebody, or if that's like, you just know it's <laughs> going to happen at some point. Yeah, I mean, divine timing in the universe. You know, things happen when they're meant to happen. That's, I, it's nice to have people have some confidence in their their future or their plans. Yeah, indeed. I think it's important, especially in a time of crisis like this, you know, we can, if you have that positive mindset and a um, glimpse of hope and just, you know, a feel of um, that we all have ups and downs and that within life, you know, it's a matter of going through hardships and then it makes the, the positive outlook and the rewards so much sweeter than you know, realising that you've got to go through the bad to get to the good. It hopefully helps people through situations like this. But they're hard lessons to learn, I guess. Yeah. So having taken a bit of a shift from fashion mm-hmm. lifestyle work mm-hmm. to the street now, mm-hmm. how do you see yourself trans- transitioning back? By the way, I don't, um, to be honest. Like, I mean, I'll still work in fashion when it comes um, for now because, I mean, I need the money. Um, and I've been really lucky to work with some incredible photographers. Like, um, lucky to work with Craig McBean, which was incredible. Um, I work a lot with Ethan James Green and, like, a, a lot of incredible photographers here, and especially with the sense of being so new here. So um, I really, I mean, I believe in if you want to be... Um, if you want to be a part of the 1%, you need to learn from the 1%. So that's essentially why I moved to New York and why I wanted to... Um... And presumably to Wall Street then, that's where the 1% live, right? <laughs> <laughs> or where? Yeah. The North exactly. 1% so, are there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too true. Yeah, so essentially that's why I came here. But um, I do get frustrated with the fashion industry. Like I, I'm a lover of fashion, don't get me wrong, but I generally shop in thrift stores. You know, I... I I love fashion, but I get frustrated over what fashion can represent. I feel like it confines a lot of people into a box or makes you feel as though that um, imagery, I feel as though in fashion, can sometimes make you feel like you need to be this sort of standard or this is how you are meant to look or be. And I don't agree with that. And I find that very frustrating. And I don't know how to break that um, cycle. I don't know if that's the right word, but... Um, I do you think maybe nobody want no one person can like so yeah. even if you come in as a photographer mm. thinking I can change this world with different looks, people will solve that by just hiring someone else who generates yeah. the yeah it it has to be like a societal shift I think and um, I feel like it is shifting but um, in the same token it's um, yeah I'm just I'm in it at the moment just sort of experiencing it and. Although I do love it, I do have some qualms with it, but what I've really been enjoying and being out in the streets is that immersive experience of actually talking to people on the streets and um, hearing their stories. And um, the challenge, 
I don't actually find it more challenging. Like um, I was going to say the challenge of, you know, finding the light and that sort of thing, but I actually find it easier because there's so much beauty in natural light, you know. Um, so being out in the streets and just, you know, following your heart's content and, you know, oh, let's go around this corner or that corner and oh, the light looks amazing down there and then you just meet people along the way, you know. I find that a true sense of freedom to me. And um, I, if I could get doing this as a long-term hobby or you know um just if i could be in this full-time i definitely would 100 percent. and you know even the the street kids of new york that i've met so far like it's they're so fashionable as it is you know and i do feel like my um experience and background in fashion has allowed me to photograph them in a way that um i mean i feel as though they're you know it could be shot for a campaign or such, but I mean, that's me being me and looking at my imagery. But, I mean, I've still got a long way to go, but it's, I feel as though that background has kind of helped me give a um, different perspective while I photograph on the streets. So maybe it was just a stepping stone to where I need to, or aim to be, who knows. But um, if I can stay in the street photography world, I think I would indeed, yeah. The world is your catwalk. <laughs> well, that's true, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and unless you, I mean, if you follow your passions and what ignites you, then along the way, um, you know, your your catwalk will form its own path. You know, as you say there. Actually, how is uh how is the uh how is actually the situation over there in Williamsburg and in New York in general? Because you know, from our side, we get we we heard a lot of uh, different stuff, mm -hmm. especially about New York, about being like one of the hardest. Uh, most hard-hit uh, cities about the the whole virus, mm -hmm. and uh, what I'm actually wondering is how how are you how are you approaching this entire situation? Well, within your photography. Yeah, so um, respectively and safely, of course, with gloves on and and um, wearing a mask. But um, trying to find opportunities, like my flatmate, she's been going to a food bank here in Williamsburg over the last um, few weeks and helping um, hand out food to people who are um, underprivileged and can't afford much in the, given the crisis. And she was telling me about it, and I was like, I'd love to be involved. So um, she sent me the address, and I didn't know, didn't speak to the owners or such prior, but I just went down there and sort of um, asked who I could talk to about it and um, asked if I could document while I volunteer. And so in a way, it's um, finding an opportunity to photograph out on the streets, you know, hearing of good deeds being done and um, seeing if you can um, help photograph and sort of um, give awareness to their cause. And um, I've found walking the streets itself, um, I feel people, I don't feel like they're more apprehensive to being photographed at the moment. Um, and I don't know if that's because a lot of the people these days are photographed um, have masks on their face, you know, 99% of them do. And I don't know if that makes them feel as though they're a bit more hidden and not as, um, uh, what would you say, not as exposed. Um, so I feel as though that they're not as... Um, uh, against um, being photographed but it depends on the circumstances as well such as any situation so it's just Maybe everyone people. feels a little bit newsworthy at the moment yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, true. it's true you know and yeah it's just um, and of course in, in the US you're allowed to anyway it's fair game there's no uh, anti-street photography rules or anything like that exactly yeah and 
90% of the people that don't like to be um, photographed self-say something and, you know, and I try and relay that to them. Um, you know, there's been times that I've stopped and had a conversation and actually been like, well, it, you know, it's not against the law here to photograph on the streets. And it's just giving them awareness as to why you're doing it. And sooner, well, either if they really want it deleted, at times I will, but if they don't, um, yeah, it depends on the situation. So it's interesting you mentioned the volunteering aspect. Do you think that's given you a bit of a purpose or more of a purpose to be out there with your camera? Because what I was finding is, you know, street photography, street photography, you know, whether there's a pandemic or not, there is, um, I think we all share this common need to be out in the streets and walking around mm -hmm. and shooting our environment um, as best as we can. But with something like a pandemic going on, um, it sounds like you've almost used the volunteering as an opportunity to be more connected with people. Would you say that that's the case? I know it certainly was for me. A hundred percent. It's exactly what it was you know and I do like to volunteer to give back and you know to society as a general but um I mean I I guess in the back of my head I've seen this as an opportunity to photograph otherwise I wouldn't have my GoPro strapped on me and my camera on me in the instance of heading down there you know so um yeah I, I do think that yeah yeah and it's it's also hard for us as photographers because as you said in last week's podcast, you know, we want to do what we can for society in a time of need like this. You know, it's just our basic human instinct. We want to help, you know, especially when people are in need. So as a creative, it it's, can be easy to do that and it can be really hard to do that because, you know, depending on our fields, you know, it's, we're quite restricted and depending on our locations as well. You know, like I'm lucky that in New York um, there are... Um, Yes, it's a lockdown, but it's not as extreme as, you know, it's, we, people are out on the streets and wearing masks and, and that sort of thing, but, you know, we're not being forced to stay home, and um, which is, I, I don't know if it's for the better or worse, to be honest, you know, it's, it's, it's quite the crisis going on. Has, it, has it changed over time as people's level of, um, sort of like, when the yeah. lockdown started here, people seemed very locked down, despite... Mm -hmm the very sunny weather mm -hmm. and then even as the weather has got worse people have seemed more and more relaxed about the rules here i 100 percent agree with that so yesterday um was actually the nicest day weather that we've had all year it was 20 degrees um i don't know fahrenheit yet which i should but um and uh, it was a huge jump in our temperature at the moment and blue sky all day and um even i got up at sunrise and i was on my roof and i seen just multiples of people out and then throughout the day um, I went to the grocery store and I live right next to the Williamsburg Bridge and um, I have an unobstructed view of the bike lane and just the amount of people that were biking past so I'd look out my window and I'd see 40 people within that space and as I walked to the grocery store there's just it's, it's as though in a way yesterday um, in particular because the weather was so nice it felt as though it was a normal day it's just everyone's wearing masks you know, there's definitely less than this time last year, but it, it, when I got home, I was talking to my flatmates and I was just like, wow, like there's a lot of people out and it's pretty scary, you know, in the sense that it does feel in a way a sense of normality, which given the virus, it's not um, ideal, you know. Yeah, I took my four-year-old to the uh, Olympic Park yesterday, um, practicing on his bike, he's sort of learning how. Nice. Um, and his treat for getting all the way there, because exercise, that's allowed, um, was an ice cream 
because the ice cream shop is open there's a long queue mm -hmm. but you can have an ice cream so uh, um it, it's not i mean the queue's no longer than usual but everyone's <laughs> spaced nicely apart yeah so. <laughs> But, but it was very strange to think a lot of people are now sitting on benches. Mm -hmm. And, of course, with the two-metre exclusion zone and the paths, in theory, you can't then walk past them. Mm. It's interesting, actually, Mel, what you said about um, people being really open to you photographing them. And Adam and, and Tom, I know you'll remember this because oh, you might remember that we had a conversation where I went out with my camera. I think it was the first week of lockdown, and I actually felt quite uncomfortable. Um, a lot of people were looking at my oh, camera. Yeah, yeah, they'll be really. But you have morals, don't you? <laughs> I have morals, exactly. <laughs> Do I? Um, <laughs> let's leave that there. Um, but, but it was, it, you know, the feel I got was a feel of tension and people looking at my camera, then looking at me, then looking back at the camera, almost questioning, you know, what are you doing? Why are you shooting me? And that's completely shifted now to, I think, people being much more relaxed. And I think it's not so much the fact I've got a camera, but the fact that people are feeling much more at ease now and, and perhaps ready to get out of lockdown and perhaps the fear is is shifting a little bit and it sounds like the same thing's happening in new york which is interesting right because globally mm. perhaps this is the trend now people are just sort of getting over it um mm. and or maybe just getting used to it i don't know it's becoming the norm yeah no i, I do 100 yeah. percent agree with you on that fact you know because even i felt it you know my family were um i'm lucky that i have a family that trust my instincts like when I say my I feel like my instinct I'm meant to stay here in New York because um when I was consuming myself waking up with the news I was had I'd get anxiety and I was waking up in fear and being like oh my god what am I meant to do should, maybe I should go home like and but the, the fear of all that you know tr flying 20 how long is it to New Zealand I usually go to Sydney I think it's 26 hours in in the plane you know multiple planes to get there and you know during a crisis like this I was like you know is it going to be worth it you know what if I end up getting stuck there I've literally just moved apartments you know um I can't get out of my lease all this sort of stuff so kind of feeling stuck with all that and um I felt that consumption of fear and anxiety and just unsure where to go with it and I felt it around everyone else like just energetically and then within the last three weeks I feel as though that energy that people that fear that has consumed a lot of people is starting to ease and people are starting to feel like this is in a way a bit more of not normal I don't want to say it's normal but it's like um, an adjustment that they're starting to get used to yeah for a lot of people it seems more like an inconvenience they're sort of mm. angry at the rules mm -hmm. um, and you definitely although apparently there's a poll that tells us that like 80% of people in this country don't want the lockdown removed, but the people you encounter when you're out definitely seem to be out of the 20%. Mm. I do feel like there's a like there's there's a there's a sense of like I mean there's a sense of like calm when you walk the streets. If you go out like like a month ago, I mean people were like like Tanya said they're like a little bit paranoid. I mean I bumped on I bumped into someone by accident a month ago and I thought that I thought I was gonna die because they got so upset with me. Uh, but now if you walk around people, yeah, they, they tend to be that they're used to it, to the situation, that they accept that it's, it's, it's quite horrible or whatever, because like the whole people aren't meant to, so, to do social distancing, I think. Mm. Um, I, got, I got the and, impression. Yeah, and, and, you, and you actually encounter a lot of new people, because for, uh, for instance, like a few hours ago, I was just sitting on my stoop and 
like a lot of people pass by you can just talk with him the entire time and that's going to be like a new i think that's a positive that, or whatever that's coming out of um this whole situation is that people are really embracing human interaction again you know when we yeah. when we get released from this you know no longer are we going to sit out in public and just sit on our phones you know we're actually going to be having genuine conversations with people because we've missed we now value what we don't have and at the moment we don't have interaction well we do via zoom and things like that but you know it's that inclusive that's a more optimistic uh, view than our, our previous guest in the, this series of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking exactly <laughs> the same <laughs> uh i mean it's me and my mindset you know but it's um yeah and it's it's, it's, it's good to be optimistic you know yeah mm. I think so as well. <laughs> Even though we're all a bit cynical, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say the the other thing I sort of thought people were because a little sensitive with the camera early on is that people were really paranoid in this country, at least, about being caught breaking the rules. They didn't know quite for sure if they were following the rules exactly as they should be or not. Um, but you know, there was this the drone video that the police in the north of England put out quite early on, showing people taking their dogs for a walk, but in some way breaking the rules maybe being an out you know out exercising longer than an hour they were not seem to be walking fast enough or something it was those local police felt it wasn't exercise and felt it was breaking the rules um and so at that early stage there was quite a lot of paranoia i think and cameras can exacerbate that especially big grown-up professional cameras I think it's also a bit different in uh I think it's also especially for the UK it's a bit bizarre since you guys actually really had a sort of like a landslide kind of attitude because in the beginning the, even your the prime minister your prime minister was like bah fuck it I'll still shake hands and whatever and now that he actually had the virus he really like turned he around he learned a valuable lesson yeah he learned <laughs> a valuable lesson that'll teach him um but no I think yeah now it's now it's Trump's turn yeah <laughs> But I think just, um, I mean, just going back to the whole positive mindset, I think um, I, I'm curious to know, so so people aren't really wearing masks, I mean, they are wearing masks in the UK, but it's not mandatory. So some people wear them, some people don't. And I, I don't know in New York if it's mandatory or not, but are you finding that shooting people, you can't quite tell what they're thinking because you can't see them properly? Or is it a case of you being even more um, sensitive to... I guess what you can see through the eyes and and getting a good feeling totally through the eyes, yeah. Crazy, and, and because isn't it? I, I, when I approach people, I'm generally smiling, and you see, when you approach people with a smile, generally they smile back, and um, you see that within their eyes, or you see their eyebrows furrow, or as such, you know. And it's a lot of um, what photographers do is about reading body language, you know, in in a split second as well, you know, like. If you see a subject um, approaching, you know, if you are able to um, uh, dissect how their body language is, um, even just through their eyes within that split second, you know if you can um, put the camera straight to their face or if you should be like, hey, do you mind if I take your photo? You know, I like your flowing dress or whatever. You know, like it's um, a matter of that split second decision but it's it's definitely harder um having a mask on but it's it's a skill you know all skills take time to learn yeah so you wear a mask Uh, yeah 90 percent of the time i do sometimes it gets like in the um when you go into a store here or you know any sort of um business it's mandatory that you wear a mask 
when I'm out on the streets, sometimes I find it difficult because I, I wear glasses and they fog up constantly um, through the mask. So I, it, I have to have a break at times just to, you know, clear it out a bit. But <laughs> do, you, do you protect your camera? No. I get home and I'll um, wipe my camera down. But it's, yeah. I, Only because a couple of episodes ago we had um, uh, JR from Outtex on who was saying that certain US government agencies had used it. He basically sort of, he describes them as like camera condoms. It has a glass at the front, but then it's like a moldable bag that your camera can go in so you can still operate the buttons and stuff. Interesting. Um, and they'd said that certain agencies had been interested by it because then if you take a camera out or something in a covid or other biohazard area, you can just wipe it down and you can be sure that nothing's got into the insides, which really surprised me. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, it's two episodes ago if you want yeah. to listen on the... I, I definitely will. Hmm. But I mean, I guess it... Um, I, I mean, I haven't listened to the episodes as yet, but um, it could be the circumstances that they're going into. Like, I would love to get myself into a hospital and photograph um, the people on the front line. But And I could imagine in that circumstance, then you would need to... You know, be a lot more protected. Obviously, a full body suit, and I would be inclined to cover my camera as such as well. Um, but every circumstance is different. Tanya in South London, are people wearing more or less PPE? Do you think than a few weeks ago? Well, I'm definitely noticing less gloves on the streets. So I know this is a universal sign of the times we're living in uh, in the UK. I, I don't know about the US or Belgium, but we have or we had plastic gloves scattered across the streets and I started to document them as well uh, I say document snapping you know snapshots of these plastic gloves strewn across um, you know a, across town but whether Just when I mean, you wonder where people suddenly decide to be unprotected by oh, I've got this <laughs> far and then <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but, but I'm actually noticing less of them so to answer your question Adam I, I don't know if people are wearing less gloves um, I'm certainly seeing people wearing, continuing to wear the masks to a degree um, and still wearing gloves, but I'm seeing less of the gloves on the streets so and maybe people are wearing them more and, and just not chucking them away or, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah they've, they've decided to keep them on even if their hands get too warm. I, don't, I, yeah, I have no idea why people were throwing them away. Um, why throw the, them on the streets and not just not just put them in a bin or whatever? Oh, it's frustrating, oh, no, isn't it? No, no, no we, we know the psychology of British people. We understand why a lot of them... <laughs> In East London, I'm seeing more, like proportionally, more people with masks. Um, I don't, I don't look at hands so much. I think I see more gloves as well, but definitely I'm seeing more people wearing masks now than a few weeks ago. And maybe that's now because the news is starting to imply that maybe they'll be compulsory when we get our freedom. I feel like it's a tipping point as well. You know, once um, before all this happened, I, in my perception, I feel as though when you were walking the streets, if you had a mask on. People were like, "Oh, aren't you taking this a bit seriously?" Or like, you know, what? That's a bit over the top, or or such, you know. Whereas now, if you haven't got a mask on, you're the minority, and you're the one not, you know. Um, people like to fit into. Yeah, that, that that's exactly yeah. what I mean. Like, I feel like it's it's more than fifty percent now, and I do feel like it's a bit weird, maybe for me. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I, you know, I don't go that close to people. I don't. I'm not coughing. There's very little evidence that they're especially useful as to protect from. You know, they're there to stop spreading. Mm -hmm. So I still look at people with masks and think, you've been coughing, but you want to go out. Tom, what about in... in 
Or they're germaphobes. Could also be the, the thing. <laughs> Although in, here in Belgium, it's a little different since we're actually starting to do a little exit strategy starting tomorrow. So uh, uh, everyone has to wear a mask when they go outside and take a bus or a tram or whatever. Um, and you're actually encouraged to wear it the entire time whilst you're out. But it's not mandatory. Only on like public services and, and big public places. You really have to wear them. And now we have, because we have this, um, uh, this Dutch is Fidelog. I don't know what the, what, the, what the word in English is. But he's been monitoring the entire situation here and explaining everything to, to the people through the news and whatever. And uh, he's really promoting the masks now. Everyone's making them themselves. You can buy them everywhere now. Uh, it's sick. And you see a lot more of them in the streets here now as well. Because I remember in the beginning that we said it would be fun to shoot people who have masks. And it got like a bit of a challenge. And now it's beginning to be a challenge to not, not. to see people without masks. <laughs> Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. I find it incredible that the so, world yeah. can't can't agree on whether to wear masks or not. It, it just it fascinates me that we just can't come to a consensus on whether to wear them or not. But I think Adam, you're right. I think mm -hmm. as lockdown eases, I think there will be a push towards wearing them just to be you know better safe than sorry. Um, and I wonder how that's mm -hmm. actually going to change us as photographers. You know, having to wear a mask and not being able to show those smiling cues uh, or having to mm. use your eyes to to gesture to people mm -hmm. to say hey it's okay I'm not a threat I'm just taking a photo of you you know I, I it yeah. is fascinating to yeah. me because that's not something I've experienced yet Mel you're obviously doing it already um, but I don't think the rest of us Adam Tom you know we're, we're not wearing masks right now so I don't know how that's going to impact well, us as photographers I'm growing one <laughs> that is true. Nicely <laughs> so too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I do find it harder to approach people when I myself am wearing a mask because I feel as though people can't read me. I know I'm pretty good at reading people, but general people aren't. I feel like I feel people can't read me as well. So if I, half my face is covered and a my voice is muffled, so they and I've got an accent to most people here, so they really struggle to understand me. But if they can't see my smile or my expression as well, then I feel as though they can be less um, open to things. So um, having a mask on when I'm out shooting, I find it does add a challenge to it, you know. You could always draw a smile <laughs> on the mask. Yeah. So. Like, you can buy them with ready-made smiles. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that. Think that. Think that's going to be my 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 plan if I ever have to, if I'm ever wearing. I don't know. One. It looks yeah. kind of creepy. I'm surprised there isn't a whole emoticon range so you can fish in your bag and then swap it for an angry one. Or a, you know, <laughs> yeah. there is. Well, that might be a business idea right there, right? And maybe we could start that up. I'll be ready in time for the next major pandemic. <laughs> Oh, actually, just a, a, an aside question, um, like completely off COVID for a bit. Mm -hmm. So as a Kiwi in New York, like lots of, you know, there's an Italian population. There's like the story of the Greek bit and is the um, Chinatown, etc. Is there a Kiwi town that you can go to? I haven't come across one yet. I really hope to find my people. So <laughs> I've, met a, I've met a lot of Australians here um, and it's actually surprising. There are a lot of Australian assistants here as well. Um, but I've only met um, less than five New Zealanders here so far, so which isn't many at all. So, um, yeah. But now that I'm, um, I mean, essentially when I first came here, it was head down, you know, into assisting. I didn't really march the streets too much or I didn't have the confidence to. 
and it's only really in the last two months that I've discovered that, you know, I actually do have it within me and it was a shift of the mindset. Um, and now that I'm out talking to a lot of people, you know, all the time, um, it's I feel as though I'm actually, yeah, hopefully going to come across my people soon. <laughs> but we're all we're all people. We're all part of the the realm. So you know, and I call myself an Australian at times as well because I've spent you know ten years there, and you know I've changed a lot of um, my mindset and my life um, by living in Australia. So it has a special place in my heart as well. So. And are you like proud of um, how you know your New Zealand, um, uh, not heritage, but proud of how New Zealand has handled COVID? Definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, because I've decided to go into photojournalism um, and you know street photography, um, I've been reaching out to the newspapers here um, with the photographs I've been taking, you know, New York Times and New Yorker and and such, and um, haven't quite had the response I'd like yet. But we'll hopefully get there. Um, but with that, you know, I had a thought, you know, why not reach out to the newspapers in Australia and even in New Zealand? And I was lucky enough that a New Zealand um, newspaper um, from the area that I used to live in jumped at the opportunity. And they also gave me a thousand words to write. And because I'm, I guess, the creative, I do love to write as well. And um, so I wrote a piece for that, and um, which was really rewarding for me and also giving the perspective of what it's like for a Kiwi being here, but also the praise that I hear from the Americans or um, other nationalities and them praising, uh, um, you know, Jacinta, our Prime Minister, for what she's done and how she's reacted. And um, not only in this case, but, you know, how she reacted to our massacre and, you know, got the gun laws in straight away and things like this. So um, it's I do have proud Kiwi moments being so far from home and people actually knowing, you know, the, the good that she's been doing and especially for... It, but again, it's easier because it is a smaller country, you know. Uh, um, people are quite united and, I mean, there's always a minority that people, most of the people are quite united, whereas in a country such as America, I can only imagine how difficult it would be with the sense of, you know, some people but, haven't travelled But united far. or not? I mean, she got a lot of global coverage with that wonderful stand-up sideswipe against very clearly Boris Johnson and Donald Trump. She didn't mention them by name, but it it was obvious who she meant. Yeah, um, yeah. No, she's good. Yeah. Proud moment. <laughs> I say, and, and a lot of Twitter were pointing out that she was a woman, which I mm. thought was a bit like... No, <laughs> no. She, you know, as a normal human, she can just do better than other humans. But yeah. you know, there's definitely been a, a lot of yeah. people keen to point out that women have done better than men. I don't know if that's uh, yeah, and look, bear out in the long. I was having a conversation with um, my mum about it. You know, like the perception of that, and you know, I don't know if it's because. But then again, it's wrong to say this. You know, is it because she has more of a family instinct? But what's not to say that men don't have? You know, of course, men have that um, family instinct as well. So, I guess it's yeah, it's just different upbringings and morals, and some people have um, a better approach to things, which is what I think she has managed to get. Yeah, I think I think we can be clearly say she had a better thing. I think (laughs) you get into a lot as soon as you start to drill down into why women might be better, you get into a a problem area because yeah then if you like you say family instinct is a bit like oh, do you want to put women in the family corner mm. and men in the go out make fire yeah cetera, you know yeah start wars um i mean obviously we love doing that but yeah that discussion can get very deep very quickly <laughs> yeah 
completely uh, go off on a tangent on evolutionary biology. Yes, evolutionary biology is, is definitely an area that we should cover more in the show. <laughs> no, 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 it's really interesting. Um, but you know, the whole, you said something interesting, Mel, which is how we're all humans and we're all brought together um, and we're all mm-hmm. the same. And actually, in this pandemic, we've, we really are, right? I mean, you, you've worked in fashion. Um, you've mentioned a few things there that, that annoy you about fashion. I know that certainly, you know, looking on Instagram and reading about, you know, the celeb culture, I've never really been into celeb culture, but, you know, the, the more I dabble in it and, and read things and see what, you know, celebs and society are doing, the more I think, wow, this pandemic has really highlighted some of the materialistic you know, irrelevant, petty things that people mm. put out on social media or, or care about and all the rest of it. And we are all humans, right? So we are all united in mm. this. But equally, it has highlighted, mm-hmm. I think, even in my friend circle, you know, I, I've been really surprised by certain people and what their priorities are right now. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is not, not a part of you I would have thought I'd be seeing. And it's interesting. I think, I think as humans, I do wonder if we will continue thinking more about, you know, the future um, or going back to our old ways. And it's, it's interesting in fashion and, and celeb culture, how that is going to manifest itself and, and if things can ever go back to normal. I'm, I'm really curious about that. And I don't know if you've got a view on that, um, but, you know, whether it's photography, fashion photography or, or whatever, you know, is there going to be a long-term effect of, of what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it comes down to um, experiences. If it's um, to such a degree that um, really affects you at your core, then there is no way to go back from that change, you know. Whereas if you are um, in a comfortable position right now and in a way just buying your time and, um, you know, still caught up in the realm of materialism, then and your priorities haven't shifted, then I can't see things changing for that person as such you know but it's um i mean you can't force change upon people as well i believe that you know and i believe it does um come to a point where you need to um you know there as i said at the start you know you you have to in a way go through the hard to get to the good you know and if you're sitting somewhere pleasantly then you're going to have no shift in yourself you know so it's um each to their own in a way, yeah. But it, it's amazing that you see that, and I mean, that's I'd praise you for that. You know, a lot of people aren't necessarily seeing, um, uh, I guess, true colours of um, situations and people, and it's not until they have a shift in themselves as well that they can um, see that. So it's a bit, it's a big thing. It's it's cool that you see that. Yeah. I, get, I really go back and forth on it myself. Like, I'm conscious that the people who are suffering more are the people who have less space and fewer guard, you know, to move around, no gardens, that kind of thing, um, who tend not to be the people in charge. But on the other hand, if enough of those people get angry and upset and focus it, and that's going to be the issue, um, then that's where revolutions start, isn't it? Very true. Yeah. But the thing is, revolutions often start in pubs. <laughs> okay, so um, with a lack of any more questions to ask and looking at my big threatening clock on the wall, 
I think it's uh, it's going to be time to say goodbye to Melissa, but we urge you to visit her site um, and follow her on Instagram, and we'll put all of those details in the show notes as usual. Um, or you can go to our site, notthegear.com, um, and you'll find uh, a write-up of the show with some sample images. Mel, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And thank you guys for doing this. It's, it's really wonderful. And from Tom and Tanya and I, thank you very much for allowing us to be in your ears, thoroughly hygienically. Um, see you next time. In case you were wondering how our voices are beautifully synchronised, even though we don't record in the same place anymore, well, for this week's outtake, let's see. Five, four, four three, three, two, two, three, two one, one, two, one, sink. God, we're all out of sync. I, I feel like me? I was counting wrong. Okay, let's all just clap. Three, <laughs> two, three, two, two, one. one. <laughs> ah, f*** it. I'll just, I'll do it the normal way. <laughs> okay. Right, so now we're going to try and make a show. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely our most awkward start yet. I'll I'll hold my hands up. I blame myself for the techie issues. That obviously jinx us from the start. We've lost our rhythm. (laughs) These things happen. So if this sounds like the start of a really bad show, we've lost our rhythm because of Tanya. It's all Tanya's fault. (laughs)